of the Grizzden pod. The Grizzlies are down zero games to one to the Golden State Warriors. It was a an extremely quick turnaround from the end of the Minnesota series to now. Uh, we're recording on Monday night, so if you're listening to this on Tuesday, you got a game two tonight that has almost the feeling of a must win uh, after falling just short in game one. We have the whole gang here, actually. We've got Ty Chandler Parsons Smith, senior. We've got <laughs> Brantley in the house, who has a lot to get off his chest. And we've got Kraft here. Um, and yeah, I think wh- where we want to start this podcast actually is what I had just called the reaction to the overreaction. And essentially, there's been a lot of discussion especially on the national stage after game one. It feels like almost an immediate uh, write-off of the Grizzlies. We're not, you know, unfamiliar with this territory, I would say, but this time it feels a little bit like it's hitting closer to home because um, maybe some reasoning for team success or team failure isn't exactly uh, as accurate as we would want it to be. And to start the podcast, I'm actually just going to hand the mic over to Brantley. Um, Preach. Because he's got, he's got something to say. I've got some feels. So I just I, – I had a sort of a weird viewing experience of this game and – I actually sort of caught the beginning and the end and then had to rewatch everything. But I had socials in the middle the whole time. And all I could see on socials was just like Warriors, championship pedigree, just experience coming through. And, and man, like that just is such a cheap take on this game. It's so lame. Like the push notifications I woke up to this morning from the NBA were just – just being so positive about the Warriors and how they have all this experience to bear. And that's what led them to this game and to, to win. And man, I just, that just is so lame to me. Like this game wasn't about the Warriors championship pedigree. Like I didn't want at one point think that that experience is what helped them win this game. I, I you know, they happened to be better than us. Um, and I think, you know, some of that was just maybe I'm just going to attribute that to the fact that we would we would go for Clay Thompson's pump fake every single time. Like, and that paid off towards the end. So, whatever. If that's a championship pedigree, then cool. Learn to do a pump fake because you can win a championship. <laughs> I just can't handle it. That's It's just so lame. Like, like if Ja hits that layup, like, championship pedigree, give them an open look for something totally. that he's hit, like, at least at a 50% clip all season. is Like, it was a great play, but championship pedigree gives gives the best player on the court an easy look. This championship pedigree by your second best player missed two free throws and not put the game away. Like, that is so freaking lame. I can't handle it. And, like, it, like I – I want us to win so badly for more reasons, but it's just for the reasons so we can put to rest this championship pedigree team, of which, 
look, I respect the Warriors and what they did to basketball and how they changed the NBA. And like, I kind of secretly love Draymond when we're not playing him. So I'm not going to get into that right now. But this whole thing about a championship pedigree and that being the reason that they beat us in game one when we had a scheduled loss, like, get off me. That is so lame. Can I make one note on that, too? Please. The best player on the floor for the Warriors was Jordan Poole. Has Jordan Poole won a championship? I don't think so. I don't think so. And if I have to hear Draymond Green explain his flagrant two on one more broadcast, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> he he had the podcast up before the game ended yesterday. Like, that was a flagrant two on Brandon Clark. Why are we talking about that? Why are we talking about this one play that ended up being inconsequential? And, oh, by the way, the Grizzlies were beating the Warriors with Draymond on the floor, which I know we're going to get into more. Um, Ty and Kraft, do you all have any, any, any thoughts to this news cycle? Are you paying it any attention at all? I think my biggest thing is this plays into this is just how, and we texted about this earlier, just how narratives start and then just like everyone takes it and that's just all they talk about. Just the constant narrative. It's just like whatever the easy narrative is, that's what everyone just continues to harp on. The championship pedigree is just like the prime example. Literally everyone was like championship pedigree. That's what they got. It's where it came from. Like, that's just a narrative. That had nothing to do with the game and the outcome of the game whatsoever. There's just so many narratives now that are, like, kind of against the Grizzlies. Like, for instance, I, again, was telling you about this earlier, it annoys me so much when people talk about our series with the Wolves. Everyone's like, man, the Wolves couldn't close because they're just so young. They're just such a young team. They just haven't figured it out yet. And I wanted to just scream at the in the car at the mic, whatever I was listening to. Like the Grizzlies are the second youngest team in the entire NBA. Our start, Carl Anthony Towns would have been the oldest starter on our team against the Wolves. Literally, Dylan Brooks was the oldest starter, and he's the same age as Cat. Like I don't, understand. I hate that narrative that like they're young, so they couldn't close. It has nothing to do with like, oh, wow, look at the Grizzlies, the second youngest team in the entire league. The youngest team is OKC, who won like four games. So like talk about a difference between those two. And of course, no one's going to mention that. No one's going to talk about how he had, we had this resilience to come back led by two 22-year-olds. That also really, really annoys me. I just hate, I just hate narratives and how they get created and how people just don't look outside of that at all. It's just, it really frustrates me. Well, it's frustrating because, two, I mean, so Minnesota dropped double digits uh, lead in the fourth quarter. I believe that happened yesterday as well by the championship pedigree Golden State hey! Warriors. Hey! Love ish. So maybe a proper narrative is that we're a team that you can never count out. We're a team that's always going to come back you're going to have to beat us. And, you know, and again, like, and I I'd said it last night in our text, but, you know, when it's a coin flip game like that, jaw makes a layup, would your narrative still, would, would the narrative have been championship pedigree? No, it would have been Clay Thompson choked and missed two free throws. It would totally. have been the Golden State Warriors choked, had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter and gave it up. And, and so on, on really a missed layup, and honestly – 
20 plays in the fourth quarter that could have gone differently, including, you know, two or three possessions where they got multiple looks because we had dead legs from 36 hours ago, which was not mentioned at all once on, I think, the broadcast. I mean, nobody talked about the fact that we just finished out a hard emotional series 36 hours previous. People talking about Bain banged up, of course, it's because he was starting to get cramps and soreness from having just played 35 to 40 minutes uh, a bunch in the previous series and not gotten rest. And so, you know, that's the frustration is just like one, you know, just like in halftime, the entire halftime was just about Draymond Green and should he have been <laughs> ejected or not. And like they didn't even talk about the game. Um, and so those are the things that kind of get frustrating to me. <sighs> well, okay, let's just talk about the game a little bit. And um, and then obviously I don't want necessarily this podcast to be super dated. So after we talk through game one, let's sort of project out and just talk about the series in general because um, – I think there's a lot that could potentially change. And um, I'll start. I think that the biggest thing for me in game one was seeing Jaron and Melton uh, actually perform well. I think a large part of this, besides it being an actual uh, matchup that they're both, I feel like, made for, is the fact that we had very limited minutes for both in the series beforehand. And I don't think that was uh, a factor that you could ignore because you could tell their freshness, like especially Melton. He was he was sprinting around. He was uh, usually on, you know, whether it was Jordan Poole, Steph Curry, or Clay Thompson. And uh, Jaron, I just feel like this series was created for him. I don't think that there's any team in the league that he could actually – put his imprint on uh, against more than this Golden State team. It's because they're undersized. It's because uh, Draymond is not yet quick enough uh, to chase Jaron around, especially if he's going to shoot six for nine from three. Uh, It's going to be a problem for them. He had 33 points. Uh, He had actually 10 rebounds too. By the way, did y'all know that that game six was actually his career high in rebounds? I didn't realize this until like yesterday. Um, and it's 14. So, I mean, he's not a rebounder, but he's he and Melton both um, both played well. And I feel like that was what I was most encouraged by coming away from the series. Uh, whoever wants to chime in about positives from, from game one, go, go for it. I mean, I well, yeah, can I say – oh, sorry, go ahead, Ty. No, you got it, Crab. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, my biggest positive, which I guess – also connects to the narrative thing is that I think the narrative coming out of the game is man, Draymond got ejected uh, you know Grizzlies looked like themselves and we still lost by one and and I think that that narrative comes from the fact that we were up and down, it was fun it wasn't a foul fest it didn't have just all the weirdness there's no protesters uh, but we didn't play well um, and actually I think the narrative should be uh the Warriors are fortunate that they won a game by one where they played pretty well. Poole had about as good of a game as he's going to have. Steph Curry shot above his three-point season average. Uh, Clay shot a little below it, um, but honestly, he had way more open jumpers than he's ever going to have the rest of the series because we're not going to do flybys. And, um, you know, and they played, I think, pretty well. They out-rebounded us. They beat us at points in the paint. 
they basically came real close with us in turnovers and beat us in fast break points, all these things that we usually dominate. Um, and, and the one thing that we did do well is we shot the three well because of Jaron getting hot. But we don't win that way. Like when we shoot three well, we usually blow teams out. Why didn't we blow the Warriors out with shooting the three-point well? It's because, uh, it's because we lost all the categories that we led the league in. And that's not going to continue. Our lineups are going to get better. We're going to be more disciplined. Uh, we're going to get Steven Adams back, I think, in, a, in game three. Um, and so I actually think the narrative is we didn't play well. We have a, we could really improve, especially on the defensive end. And, um, and yet the Warriors, I think, played about what they are going to do. Like, I think that is as good as they're going to play. I mean, Draymond might add a little bit of better defense to them uh, if he plays a full game, but that's sort of the big the big takeaway for me was we were in a game with the Warriors and we didn't do any of the things we're known for uh, well. What do you think, Ty? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it was – we came out really, really hot which makes a ton of sense because home crowd moved on. The next and the last series is behind us. I think we had a lot of energy to start. I think our energy absolutely wavered as the game went along. I think we got tired, as y'all have already mentioned. Um, they had one spurt in the third quarter that basically won them the game. So if we're talking about encouraging things, I think the lineup that we started the second half with shouldn't exist anymore this series. Um, I think Tillman playing at the five, like, I guess I, I really don't get it in this series. Like this is a completely different matchup. Agreed. Not, not even Brandon Clark. I mean, you can go mega small and have like Dylan at the four and play Bain and Melton and Jot. You can do a lot of different small stuff, which I feel like suits our roster really well, but we didn't, we didn't adapt early enough. And with the Warriors, like three, within a three minute span, you can lose the game. Like, it can happen really fast. This isn't the Wolves, right? The Wolves can't win a game. They they just can't do it. The Warriors, you give them three minutes of, like, a mismatch or a poor lineup or something like that, like, they're going to take advantage and the game can be over. Um, clearly, the game wasn't over. We made a great comeback, as Kraft said. We got – we were down 10 in the fourth. We came back. But, like, that first four to five minutes of the third quarter, like, why not just, again, pick your seven, eight guys that you know is going to play well in this series and move forward – my encouraging aspect is I think that we're going to do that because Jenkins did that last series. Um, he kind of found his guys, stuck with it, and moved on. I think he's kind of feeling some things out right now as the series goes along. But I'm encouraged that with our best lineups, I think we are right there with Golden State. I think this yeah. is going to be a competitive series. I think a lot of games are going to go down like last night's. Um, one possession, one point even. Like, I think it's going to be a really tight series. And I rewatched some of the games, the, the highlights last night. There's a lot of those long rebounds off threes that clank that they were able to get because they were just unorthodox, like, long rebounds. Um, I think if we can, like, clean little stuff up, I think we could have won that game by eight to ten points. Yeah, real quick on that, I – like, I, I'm always wary of small sample size things. And you looking at the thing, you know, Conchar and some other people had negatives. But but uh, for Tillman, having negatives in the last series, and then the biggest thing for me is he's a negative when he's playing with our four best players. Like, when he plays on the court, he's playing with our four best players, and he's still a negative. That is like a glaring 
uh, sign to me that he does not need to be playing. Yeah, and it just looked like he was he, like sort of like Adams was in game one of last series. He just was an easy bucket, which is typically hasn't always been the case for him, but just based on the guards and, and the way that they were attacking him, it just felt like they could they could score on him every one, and he was out of position a lot on defense and led to some cheap fouls and I think some easy three-point opportunities um, at the beginning and uh, really at the beginning of the second half, and those are things that – you know, look, like Jenkins proved last last series, and this is maybe an easy transition, Will. I don't, you know, since you almost made me moderator, I'm going to sort of halfway moderate and, and tee this up to you. But I feel like we we can sort of expect a little bit, some easy trans, some easy switches, um, uh, switches or just adjustments from Jenkins' next series or next game. I'm curious, do you think that Tillman being out of the lineup is one of the biggest ones that you would expect him to make? I think it's low-hanging fruit. I think it's the easiest one there. It's because Tillman is slow. He's made for <laughs> matchups to where he can come in and be slightly quicker than their slowest guy. The problem is the Golden State Warriors don't have any slow players. I mean, if you want to call Draymond, maybe. But uh, one note I wanted to make, too, is Bain, Brooks, Kyle, and Tyus combined for 21 points in that game. That's not that Desmond Bain averaged more than 21 in the last series. That's not going to happen again. Brooks, I'm a little bit worried on offense about him. I think his uh, his numbers, when you look at though his like one-on-one defense versus their best players, are still pretty good. That's what he's out there to do. But it's still pretty. It's still frustrating. I'm very intrigued by this Bain injury. I hope it doesn't end up lingering too long. I hope that that long layoff between game two and three are are going to be very beneficial for him uh one thing i would be very intrigued by though is actually starting with kyle uh and and i think that bc obviously is in sort of the quote-unquote death lineup i just think that kyle's defensive versatility uh is good And, and also i want to play kyle with four other shooters and i think that if bc and Kyle are ever in there at the same time. You saw that actually in game one where Kyle got caught a couple times and he had one of his worst games. I mean, I'm obviously a big fan of his, but man, he he was frustrating. He couldn't hit anything. He had a couple uncharacteristic turnovers. And Tyus Jones, too, I just felt like they could never get in a rhythm. And I think part of the reason why is because Kyle kept getting the ball at the end of the shot clock. And I think you've got to have him in situations where he can actually be more of the playmaker and can kick it out and actually, you know, do his short rolls, do play on the block if he needs to drive in, get the, their guys off balance. And I think also we need to attack a lot more than we are. I really only trust five and a half guys on their team, and I'm putting Gary Payton the second as half because he's an excellent defender, but I would love him to take any shot outside of the paint. Uh, so fouls are actually in, in, in your favor. So you need to be aggressive. You need to play your game and not settle. Like Kraft, you were saying, like we're, there was a, it was a jump shooting game. And I feel like if we're going to lose that almost every time. And so mm-hmm. I want to see a lot more attacking, and I want to put pressure on their best guys, who you saw what happened when when Curry was in foul trouble, um, Poole stepped up, thankfully for them. But he is the engine of their offense, and if he's if he's in foul trouble, 
that's your best chance to win, in my opinion. So there's just a few small notes I wanted to make. Yeah, Draymond yeah. said just said on TNT that that uh, because Charles <laughs> Barkley was mad at us for shooting too many threes yesterday, and uh, Draymond said that's the game plan: keep him out of the paint, make him they shoot were, a lot of threes. They're only guarding I mean, they're Bane out there. Against, they're sagging right? off of everyone. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and, and I, I mean, I think some of that is even just going to be like it's sort of the difference in like going from playing to the point on the 36-hour thing with tired legs. It's also a completely different shift in like what you've got to prepare for and how you're going to play. Like I don't – I don't, we weren't really looking to, to speed up and transition a ton with Minnesota. I think at times we were, but we also felt like – I think we could get looks and it was just such a like grind of a game that we sort of like maintained our energy energy. I think golden state, like we've got to look to get those long rebounds and push every time. Like their championship pedigree is old. Right. So we've got to use our legs to our advantage and run. And I know that we were, I think I felt like we did that to a decent amount um, in that first game, but like there's, there's more easier buckets and things like that, that I hope to see us kind of push and do which I think sort of lends itself to kind of continuing to being like a strong game for people like Melton um, and even Conchar where they can come in and they can, they can push, they can use some, you know, their energy that they've hopefully been able to reserve by not having to, to use it in the prior series. Um, and, you know, like, and maybe they can take some of that uh, difficult pushing off of jaw um, so that he can be, you know, ready. But I mean, I mean, I, I don't, I hope that Jock can continue to keep in doing exactly what he did. I mean, like, I know that he could quote unquote have played better and be more efficient, but his stat line, like, that's what we need him to do in this series if we're going to win. And then it's almost like we really, we can't expect Jaron to be as ridiculous as he was next game, but we hope that we can, he can maintain it and maybe the love can be spread. I do sort of, the one other thing that I'm looking on, and I really did touch on this because it just like kept standing out to me. It's just like, I think that we've got to make Clay put the ball on the court um, and really attack off the dribble. We were just biting on every pump fake. So, like, if that like that is the smallest and the easiest adjustment that we can make. Like, obviously, the the three at the end of the game stands out, but almost every three he took, he was looking to pump fake first and do a little bit of a sidestep. And like, that's an easy that's an easy closeout. That's an easy guard for for our um, fresh legs if we're just in that mindset. And I just think that's a thing that like. We just got caught up um, on playing, you know, someone like Anthony Edwards, maybe where we were, maybe uh, we we didn't want him to necessarily attack off the dribble. Whereas that's what we want Clay to do. We'd rather him do that versus get that little easy step back three or a little side shuffle three. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's one of the big issues with Minnesota. They're a little more of a one on one, like shoot a three in your face. I mean, Anthony Edwards shot 73s guarded that went in. And I think we're we're in that mode where it's like, oh, we just don't want him to get a shot off. No, we're fine with Clay taking a shot with somebody in his face. He's not like, yeah. and even Steph, honestly, too. They are a we shoot up and open shots. We cut. We find the open man. Like we don't need to fly by them. We just need to get in their space. That's right. And if they make a, if they make guarded threes, that's fine. They're going to make some of them. I mean, they're going to make ten to twelve threes a game. Um, what we just don't need is the is the rebounds. The flat, the wide open ones, because we've flown by them, that sort of thing. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to say too is I'm a little bit worried about Ja on defense. 
and it's not necessarily his one-on-one defense is more of it's more of his help side I've noticed that if he is not if he's on the ball he's actually even though he doesn't necessarily have the build to guard everybody he's at least locked in if he's help side a help side defender he he gets lost and they're Gold State has such a, a movement system that I there were a couple times where he and a, and a few other guys just got caught by a backdoor cut, and Steph is looking for those, and so is Draymond. That's like their offense because you know Steph has played almost every game since his like third year in the league with somebody guarding him five feet out from the three-point line, and he's, he's such a great playmaker. And so that's where I want Ja, and I'm sure that they're uh, talking through this in film. But, yeah, there's just a couple times, especially if he's going to guard a guy like Gary Payton, since that's technically who he could, he could be hidden on on defense. Uh, GP2 is going to cut hard, and that's what he does well on offense. So that's one thing I'm definitely going to be watching is how intentional are they about attacking that weak link in our defense, because if I was Steve Kerr, that'd be like the one thing that I'm going to target. Yeah, I what think, think to all y'all's point, one thing I kept going back to is discipline, and I kind of mentioned that to y'all today. This series is going to test our discipline. Um, Jaw's a great example of his like off-ball defense, also like long rebounds, like find a body, put a body on someone else, always be aware. But I, I mean, I'll, I'll 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 chime in a little bit. I mean, I just think that uh, that one the reason that I like the Kyle Anderson instead of Tillman switch is that Tillman, uh, especially against a team like the Warriors, is not going to be an above average defender. And putting Brandon and Kyle in gives us four above average defenders, um, a couple elite defenders um, uh, with Jaw because I think that is going to be an issue. And I do think the Warriors are going to continue to attack that over and over and over and over again. Um, and so we need as many plus defenders on the court with Jaw as possible. And I, the Kyle thing just feels like the obvious adjustment. I mean, like he's great in sort of that help side, um, like get an easy steal off of a weak sort of um, you know rotation pass um, scenario that can like really change the momentum of a game. And the Warriors love to turn the ball over. Like we know that's just a thing that like we hopefully can take advantage of. I'm not sure if necessarily Tillman helps you in that scenario. Kyle does. So, like, maximizing his time on the court to have that type of impact, I think, could be awesome. I want to I see a switch a lot more, too, and Kyle can switch one through five. Like, it's just the truth. So, he's yeah. our most, most versatile defender, and I want to see him out there with our, with our best lineup offensively, yeah. which is going to be important. And I, actually, and I actually think Ja does better on switch than he does on, like, drops and, and other things. Um like, I, I think it's just easier. Yeah. All right. Can I jump to it? What, what's y'all's predictions for tomorrow, team? Well, I am going to predict a win. I think it's going to be very similar to Minnesota series where we drop a game one at home. We come out the more, the more uh, energetic, the more desperate team. However... I'm less certain of us going to San Francisco and potentially splitting there. Uh, I am very, very nervous about playing over there. Not that we can't bring home a 2-2 series, but uh, I think it's less likely. 
that we do that. So I think if this series is going to go seven, we're going to have to go three and zero in our last game, three games, or if we're going to win the series in seven, that is. So um, I'm predicting a win tomorrow, but how we play is going to de- basically make or break my prediction for uh, for Golden State. Uh, I'll say, I mean, I still think Grizz in seven. I thought we were going to split the first two games. I think that, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm very bullish. I'll continue to be. I'm sure I'm about to get, you know, the haters will come out if the Warriors win this series because I've been pretty strong about how good of a matchup I think we are for them. Um, you know, like I said, if we won Lee yesterday, I would be on here tonight saying Grizz in five. Uh, I feel really confident about the Grizzlies' chances. Again, I do think the the one issue is going to be I do think we'll probably have um, a couple more kind of coin toss type clutch games, and and are we disciplined, uh, and you know are we smart enough to make better shots because uh, T Wolves let us off the hook a little more. Um, I also think that uh, Jenkins is going to figure out our best lineups, and so as the, as the series goes along. We're the younger, uh, I think we're the better talented team, honestly. Uh, so I'm hoping that we get stronger as the series goes along, as Warriors get more tired, um, as they're older. Um, I also think they have a lot less, uh, basically, adjustments to make. Because, like, as you said earlier, five and a half players. I mean, I, I really feel that way. They have a very small amount of players. So they can't really adjust like we can. And I don't, while I don't know if Adams will be at all effective in the series, I do think it's a look we can throw out, especially if they play Looney. Um, I think we can just mix things up, try new things. Uh, like you said, even like weird small ball lineups with Melton. So I still feel good about I still think we're going to win in seven. I think we'll win tomorrow night. Uh, I don't think it will be quite as comfortable as the T-Wolves game too, but I think we'll win and it won't be, it won't be like uh, a comfortable win, I guess, is what I would say. Um, and then I, I think we'll split one of them um, in San Francisco. And I just think it's going to be like that. It's going to be one of those one 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 series. Uh, that's sort of my thought with us winning every other game, and I mean with us winning uh, game five and game seven, and then one in San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, and I just I'm I'm just going to stick with my opening theme, man. Like I, our players want this. They don't they don't run, you know. Like all the crowd towel sayings, like they're gonna they're gonna deal with the smoke. They want the smoke, whatever the stupid thing that they say is. And, you know, Dame's tweeting championship pedigree. You know our players have seen that stuff. Like, I I just ex- I expect us to know that we've got a big rest after this game. Like, let's bring it. Like, we, you know, the Warriors are thinking they've kind of done maybe their duty a little bit. We've got, like, what, like a three-day rest in between now and our next game? Um, isn't that right? After game like, two. After, after game, game two. two, yeah. After, so tomorrow we bring it all. We've got a three game, three day rest, like which is great. Like go balls to the wall, like bring it, talk your shit, get the dub, and go out to San Francisco and steal one more. And all of a sudden, people are questioning this old, old laggy championship pedigree team. Like I just think that our team is is battle tested more so than people want to give them credit for. I think we know that, and I'm I'm ready to see it. I I I will I will actually be surprised if we don't bring that mentality because that's what we've been what we've seen from this team all year. If they just lay down, something else is going on. And I just 
we have no reason to expect that. We have every reason to expect that they're going to bring their A game, give it all, and Jenkins will make some adjustments and we'll take we'll we'll we'll, we'll knot it up. We'll top the series. That's what I'm. And, and we're underdogs. We're plus two underdogs right now at home. Like these type of series always zig and zag, and for whatever reason we're underdogs. Like all of these are pointing to just a classic like no one believes in us types type game to prove everybody wrong. And this is where we're supposed to be. That's like. It's house money. Bring it. Yeah. I mean, they absolutely think we should have. Like, every Grizzly thinks we should have won yesterday. Um, every Grizzly thinks we didn't play nearly as well as we should have. I think they're going to bring out that energy tomorrow night. You know, whereas I think the Warriors don't feel that way. I think the Warriors feel very fortunate to have won the game. Yep. Agreed. Well, if you're listening to this after Tuesday night, uh, we there's still hope whether we win or lost, because we do have this long break. We have this long break, and it's going to be good for everybody. Uh, so for Ty, who dropped off a little bit ago, not sure what the internet connection situation was for him, for Brantley, for Kraft, I'm Will. Thanks for joining us. Go Grizz. Let's do it.